new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast Live, episode number 24. So excited to be here with you guys today, and I've got my good friend Emilio Palafox with me here today. How's it going, Emilio? Doing well, man. Thank you for having me. Man, I'm really excited to have you on and just get into a really good dialogue and conversation today. Many of my listeners know I've read through Dave Asprey's book recently, Headstrong, which is just a phenomenal, phenomenal book. I thought I'd really heard a lot of what Dave had to say about a lot of his biohacking and the things that he does, and there's just so many more new concepts that he brought in that book about mitochondria and brain health. And that's a lot of this podcast here. It's just peak performance and how do we all get better every single day. So I'm really enjoying that book. But why don't you start off first before we go any further and just tell people who you are and that way they'll get a sense of what you're doing in this world and why it was a good fit, I think, to bring you on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you so much for having me. I love doing these kind of things. So my name is Emilio Palafox. Thank you for listening, guys. I am a high performance and transformational coach. So I coach a lot of business executives, entrepreneurs, high performers. I help them get them out of their heads, lean into their edge, and become more bold and fearless in the process, all while upgrading their mind, body, and energy. So really, in short, it's 50% high performance and 50% deep inner work. So yeah, I've been, uh, you know, I'm also a bulletproof coach. You mentioned Headstrong. And so, you know, my coaching comes from a lot of different modalities in addition to mind and body technologies that help my clients evolve. And yeah, I'm also kind of been taking away various pieces of the Headstrong myself. And uh, yeah, very fascinating world. The mitochondria is huge in our lives. And I think the more people learn about that and how the mitochondria is not necessarily listening to us, but our environment, the more that they can upgrade their life. Absolutely. I just think back to like junior high when you're introduced or like even earlier in elementary school, you're introduced to the mitochondria and nobody ever talks about it after that (laughs) unless you're in this world. (laughs) I can still see like the ripply wavy line of the inside of the mitochondria (laughs) here in my mind. But it really is the, I guess I would just say the power generators of the cell. It's what converts oxygen and nutrients to what we know as ATP. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of what it thrives on. There's a lot of people probably that hear his name out there and go, oh, yeah, bulletproof craze. You know, people ban- bandwagon fans jumping on, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm telling you guys, you got to get the book. It, mm-hmm. It's There's so much depth. I even bought my wife a copy just because I was so blown away yeah. by it. But I know just speaking of the brain, you do a lot of brain feedback and a lot of, you know, really neurooptimal neurofeedback work. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, before I go into that really quick, you know, I just wanted to say that, yeah, you know, for people who think it's, a, you know, just jumping on the bandwagon, it's like, there's one thing to say that and then one thing to like actually try some of the things that are talked about in the Bulletproof community and the biohacking yeah, community. And the next thing you know, you know, you're doing this for a week or two and you're like, wow, you know, I don't have brain fog. I am a little bit more charged. I am sleeping better. And it's like, it's in the empirical evidence. How are you feeling? But, you know, before you knock it, try it out. It's all about you. We're all different. The future is personalized food, personalized medicine, personalized fitness. We're all different based on our genes and our epigenetics and everything like this. And so, you know, the more that you can test to see what works for you, whether it's adding or removing things in your life, then really that's what being bulletproof is all about. And that's what biohacking is all about is seeing what works for you so that you can be more in control of your biology, your psychology and your environment. So this like, let me see if this is right or not, or if this works, you are embodying what it means to be bulletproof and to biohack. So in a sense, 
if you're knocking it while trying it, you're actually being it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I had to kind of live it to know what you're saying. You know, some people out there may not understand what that's really pointing to, but it really is changing your environment. It's a stimulus response, changing your environment to try to upgrade your performance and find what works for you. So I love the way you clarified that there. And you're absolutely right. And you know, what's funny, what I find with some clients or friends or family or even strangers is that, you know, they may think they're fine because they've lived at whatever level of performance they have been for a while. They don't know what the next level looks like and the next level. And once they get to that level, when you go back to the level that you used to operate on, you feel it. You're like, wow, I can feel it in my body. Definitely am exhausted. Definitely am tired. Definitely have low energy. Definitely can't think as well. Definitely not as fast or react. You know what I'm saying? Like when you start to go in, in, into these different levels, when you go back to operating or eating or, or doing what you used to do, you feel it then because right now you're so used to the, your baseline and you're not going to know truly until you've experienced other baselines and have come back. So Emilio, as I was mentioning, you do a lot of neurooptimal neurofeedback, staring at screens while you're hooked up or your clients or your brain's hooked up to some things. You know how to read those things. Tell me really what you're doing or for what anyone else that sees you out there on Instagram or social media with some of your, your videos you're doing. So in terms of biohacking, uh, I do a lot of different things. When it comes to the mind and brain, one of the things I really love in terms of top biohacks is neurofeedback. Now, I've decided to purchase a brand from Neurooptimal. Neurooptimal is a brand. So it's Neurooptimal Feedback, and I've bought it because it's literally the leading one right now and also in a class of its own and for numerous reasons. I bought this just last year, actually, and I, wanted, I bought it and made the investment for myself because I wanted it for myself first and foremost, and I justified it because I was like, well, I'm going to have this for the rest of my life, and I can do this for myself, my friends, my family, my loved ones forever. You know what I mean? So it, it made sense to buy it. Well, next right. thing I know, when I started buying it and looking at my mission and vision and what I do for a living, I said, this is very much integrated into what I do. And so, you know, needless to say, I incorporated it into what I do. It is a real-time EEG that measures the electrical activity in your brain and then gives information back to your brain as to what it's doing. So it, now, now, this is good for, you know, academic performance, athletic performance, depression, anxiety, sleep as well as some degenerative diseases that are out there that have shown to reverse things like chemo brain and have helped uh, just various things because it allows the mind and body to heal itself. To give you an example as to what this looks like, I place some electrodes on your ears and head. So there's going to be two on the right side on your ear, you know, one on the left hemisphere of your brain, one on the right hemisphere of your brain, and then one on the right side. So, you know, electrodes placed on the ear and head. We'll do a pre-baseline. We'll do the actual training and then we'll do a post-baseline. The pre-baseline will measure, you know, the electroactivity in your brain prior to the training, see how your brain's doing. And then the post-baseline is saying, okay, well, how is your brain after the training? You know, we always talk about training the body, but rarely do we train the brain. And the brain is actually, you know, operating your body. I think about that and I try to relay that message. And in addition, I always talk about, you know, rule your mind before it rules you. A lot of time we're stuck up in our heads with these stories. And the more that you can be in control of your day-to-day, -day, the better. You put in some earphones, you're all hooked up, and there's music playing, very therapeutic meditative music that is playing. And while you're laying there, you'll hear, sometimes you'll, you'll hear these interruptions in the music, static kind of changes that are occurring. That's the feedback. Our brains are in turbulence a lot, especially if you're not sleeping well, not eating well, or stressed, have negative thoughts you know, toxic relationships, toxic environment, et cetera, on a brainwave level, your brainwaves are in turbulence. On a microsecond level, because you're hooked up, it's reading all this. 
through this sophisticated system. And every time your brain goes into turbulence, you're going to have an interruption in the music, scratchy noise. Your brain does not like this. It's almost like, let's say, you know, we're watching a, a film back in the days, let's say, where we had antennas and not. Remember, it's like all scratchy. You're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. like, get it. No, oh, 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 until it finally does it, right? Well, here's the thing. Your brain doesn't like all these scratches. They want to hear not, your brain wants to hear the music. And so it will rewire itself, reset itself to perform more optimally in that microsecond level at whatever hertz we're at. Anytime your brainwave is in turbulence, it knows, and it will give that scratchy sound over and over and over again until your brain finally says enough. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm moving over here, rewiring, resetting. And that's where that plasticity occurs in the brain where changes are being made. Yeah, you're setting those new neuronal pathways and just the way that we've thought about certain things, you're basically resetting that, growing, you know, probably over time, growing some new gray matter. You know, it's amazing to me that up until just mm -hmm. a few years ago, a handful of years ago with the, you know, fMRI machines and things like that, we just thought that like, hey, as we get old, we have degeneration of our neurons and mitochondria and brain uh, gray matter and all this stuff. And it's like they started like really being able to peer in there. And it's like, no, wait a minute. That's what we've been led to believe. But we can actually mm -hmm. see now we've got eyes in the brain now with these machines. We can actually see that you can grow gray matter yeah, over time. Absolutely. And so that's extremely, you know, that's extremely hopeful for people who maybe are in some sort of a degenerative disease of the mind or, you know, something like that. MS mm -hmm. patients, you know, for example, the, a lot of the stuff they're doing now is brain work with them and just really teaching them how to like rewire their brain. And it's just going, it's just mm -hmm. going so far. Well, a personal story, and, and I won't dive too deep here, but it, it's uh, my girlfriend, actually. I've been with her 11 months now. We'll have her one year anniversary next month. And before I met her six and a half years ago, she had a traumatic brain injury, TBI. And when doctors said that she had a traumatic brain injury, she didn't know she had it for two whole years. And for like six plus years, she was in the dark trying to put herself together because she didn't know what happened. She was not the same person anymore. She thought you she said she didn't know about it. Was there not a like an event or a qualifying event in life that happened to her to let her know that like, hey, it must be from this? What, well, so, what was the cause? Well, so great question. So here's what happened. So she was on a boating accident, flew off this jet ski and uh, multiple times hit various parts of her brain. Here's the thing with TBI is that you can't have any scans to say, oh, look, you have TBI. There's no scans right now in existence to tell you you have TBI. The movie Concussion with Will Smith is starting to bring that to awareness, given the NFL and everything, all the concussions that are going on there. But right. so in other words, it was so severe. They were like, oh, you're fine. Go home. She went home. Next thing you know, I mean, this is severe in terms of where she had to remove herself from her family, from her friends, from her school, and was by herself for two years thinking, and this is what I'm talking about, like, she forgot to eat, forgot to shower. She'd be in a parking lot. We're like, where am I? Who am I? What month it is? What day is it? What am I doing here? And be there for like 12 hours in the parking lot. I'm talking, that's how bad, like, that's what I mean by like not knowing what's going on. Like she damaged her brain and certain things weren't there anymore. She would be in front of somebody thinking she was talking. And next thing you know, they would leave. And she found out she wasn't actually talking when she thought she was talking. You know, she tried to put on her shoe and it would drop in the middle of it. And she would still try to put it on. Like there were things that were not working. For years, she's like, what the heck is going on? And, you know, it's a very crazy story. She's writing books and protocols and programs about it now, which is awesome. But when doctors told her that she couldn't, she did. And one of the main things out of the many things that she did, one of the main things that got her from the Survive to Thrive was neurofeedback. Gratefully, she had encountered a woman that was a neurologist and put her on some neurofeedback. And the next thing you know, after time and time and time again, the brain rewired itself to, to normalize one and also to get better. So that's yeah. almost like an extreme case, but like that shows the neuroplasticity that occurred for her when she couldn't do so much stuff to where all of a sudden now 
she's my girlfriend doing some great things together. Oh man, that's awesome. And it's amazing how our brains, you know, how we work and how resilient our bodies are sometimes on their own. And sometimes, you know, we have to train that. Yeah, I know it does. I was just reading last night in the Headstrong book by Dave Asprey. I think it was Terry Walls, who's a doctor, and she yeah. started getting some symptoms. She got MS over a period of about two years. Her MS got so bad, she got debilitated, was in a wheelchair. And they said, hey, once your extremities go, you're pretty much done. And she had learned that in medical school herself. So she kind of got tired of just what she was hearing and how it didn't really match up with the way your body should be functioning for, towards certain things. Started changing her diet, high fat, fasting diet, started doing some brain work as well. Yeah. And then within amount of time, she like literally went and rode, ate, like did this race on a bicycle. And now she's doing all this just crazy stuff and ditched the wheelchair. And now she's teaching people yeah. how to like retrain the brain. So, man, thanks for that rundown. I know you were just out at uh, Paleo FX. I, I did not get to go this year and just hate that. But, uh, you know, definitely next year, whether it's Bulletproof or Paleo, whatever, it looked like you were having a great time out there. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. My sister's up in Austin. And so I go visit her. I went this weekend. Uh, gratefully, my brother-in-law gave me a VIP pass. And so I was nice. grateful enough to go up there and enjoy myself. It was the first time at PaleoFX. I always go to the Bulletproof Biohacking Conference this past few years. And yeah, it was great, man. You know, it's always good to surround yourself with, with like-minded individuals, you know, to see the various vendors that are there, the speakers, just, you know, always learning, always growing. I'm a, I'm a self-development junkie, so I love going to things like this. And not only to improve myself, but to to become a better coach for my clients. You know, whether it's this or some deep inner work, I can't take my clients any deeper than I've taken myself. And so I'm always on that path. One of the things that I've been really into lately, which has to do a little bit with the brain, but also just how we are resilient. I don't know if you've studied very much about Wim Hof. Many people know Wim Hof out there and his breathing techniques. And this guy, if you go read anything about him, he's just incredible. He goes and, you know, climbs all these mountains that people are, you know, oxygen deprived and all that. And he's up there in like a swimsuit climbing these mountains and that's it, period. But he does a ton of breath work. Have you ever studied much of his stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I met him. I met him at the biohacking conference in 2014, I believe. So people who know me, they know I love history. One of the things to me that's always fascinated me is the story of when, you know, I guess for me, my family and my origins come over from like Europe and Great Britain and all these places. And they come over and say, look, we're going to settle America. And just something about that. They did a lot of things wrong, especially with the natives here. It's kind of a, a super sad story. But as far as just that spirit of we want a better life, let's go and risk everything, risk our families, risk our lives, you know, everything to try to make this happen and explore to them new lands. Whenever they came over, I think the pilgrims came over in like 1920, if I've got my facts right on that. But mm -hmm. there was a Native American there named Samoset that many of you may have heard about in your high school classes or whatever. But he greeted the pilgrims wearing nothing but, I mean, basically just a loincloth. And that was it. And then they all wore that, like all the, the Native Americans there. And then they had like the super harsh New England winter. And in fact, the Massachusetts State Seal still has an image of that tribe that he's from. And, and maybe it's him. I, I don't remember if they designed it after that. But it's basically just in a loincloth. If you look at it today, the settlers at Jamestown, the very first people that came over in like 1607 or 1608, those people almost froze to death. And the Indians are out there like trying to attack them because they're coming in on their land and they're like wearing nothing. Mm -hmm. So here's where I'm going with all this. The colonists reported back then that even the local natives, they would take their children and they would place them out like in the freezing weather and in the snow for a few minutes each day. And the ones that were actually friendly that would communicate, they said, we're doing that to make them more robust. You know, and the colonists are like, man, we're going to die if we stay out in these conditions. And so the whole point there is that I've been reading a lot lately about cold. And I'm sure you've done some stuff with cold therapy as well, or, you know, cold showers, ice baths, those sort of things. If you start getting more down this biohacking path, you'll hear more and more about that. You know, it's almost like the natives understood intuitively that they needed to make a conscious effort to help the children and the adults adapt to those harsh conditions. 
And I read something the other day that said the only lethargic and fatigued mammals today are the humans who live indoors and the pets they keep indoors. So there's a connection to that, right? Because we always yeah. live, you know, nowadays we're like in an eternal summer. We're overfed, we're overlit with harmful light, we're subjecting ourselves to harsh conditions that aren't necessarily good for us, but they're not what's making us robust. So when it comes to brain work and how we can make our brains better, I've been reading a lot about brown adipose tissue or, or basically just brown fat and really how it can help us. You know, for a while they thought that only, you know, BAT or brown fat was only in rodents and large animals to help them hibernate, like heat themselves in hibernation. And it looks a lot like white fat that we use to just store, like just, just regular fat. But mm-hmm. where the white fat is an insulator for us, and even in our brain, the brown fat burns that away to create body heat. And it's the only known tissue whose sole purpose is to make heat or thermogenesis. If you think about this and you think, okay, how can we be more resilient? Not only doing you know, neurofeedback or mitochondria work, as we mentioned, or changing our diet or helping people with MS, how can we biohack? resilience. Okay. So the easiest way for an adult to rapidly increase their core temperature is by shivering. That's why our bodies are made that when we get cold, we just automatically start shivering because those muscles, they generate heat as they move. And you can't always feel it, right? I mean, most of the time when I'm freezing and I'm shivering, it it doesn't seem to be helping at all, but inside it's keeping my core warm. Okay. And so when babies are born, babies can't do that. They don't have the muscular, they're not developed or designed just yet to be able to do that. Instead, they've got all these chubby rolls of fat all around them. But once we as infants become children, all of a sudden the white fat, our muscles tone up, the white fat starts disappearing. And then the BAT, the bat fat, that basically comes in. And in the past, like for people that lived outdoors and things like that, they would have tremendous amounts of this. Well, nowadays, because we're in this eternal summer all the time, we have very little, like very, very little. And the doses we have are just a few teaspoons, researchers would tell you, along the tissue of our spines and our shoulders. And it's just kind of amazing when you start reading some of the work of Wim Hof and other people out there in other countries that are, you know, sleeping out on the ground in freezing temperature. And you see these journal reports of like even the Lewis and Clark expedition where they're out there like almost getting frostbitten and the local natives that are helping them, you know, kind of navigate the land. They're out there like with a couple of bushes and shrubs over them with in freezing weather. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of just got me interested in just thinking about how can we really biohack that? How can we be more resilient? And just saying that we really can tap into that as well, because that's going to help us with our mitochondria. It's going to help us with our immune systems. It's going to help us with a ton of stuff out there that we can just be more resilient. But a lot of it goes along with the brain work that you're talking about. How can we make our brains more resilient? How can your girlfriend set up new neuronal connections and neuronal pathways and grow maybe more of the gray matter and things to where she can perform again? How can MS patients do that? But then also, how can we during the winter months here, instead of just always staying fully closed and fully, you know, indoors, how can we start doing some things outside to make ourselves more resilient? I don't know if you've done much study on that or reading on that, but that's just been fascinating to me to read into a little bit more. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've been a big fan of cold for some time now, uh, even more so since 2014 when I went met Wim Hof, saw his documentary on Vice, and then been following ever since. You're right. We, unlike a lot of other countries, have not been in- implementing that as much as the other countries have. They do see it as some importance. Just back, like you said, in, in historical times, 1920 with Samasat and the tribes there. I think it might be Finland, Sweden, some other countries. I've seen various documentaries where they actually, in school, one of the musts or one of the the PE, you know, recess time is when it's freezing cold snow out there, they actually go and they they dump buckets of ice cold water in the snow type (laughs) area and they run around and they laugh and they're playing in the cold, wearing nothing but like little small shorts, like basically bathing suit attire. 
in the snow. You're seeing these little kids do it. And they talk about that. And then and sometimes in some schools, they'll go into a sauna, heat up, and then go back into the cold, go, go back into the sauna, go back into the cold for that thermogenesis. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, of course, with the heat and then with the cold combined. But yeah, it, I like that you chose the word resilience. It makes us better at making heat slash energy. We're like thermostat. And you know, just whether it's in your car or in your house, it automatically knows, okay, the temperature has dropped or risen. I need to turn up the heat or turn down the heat. It, the thermostat knows of how to regulate that. Well, we have an internal thermostat that doesn't work anymore because it hasn't been needed in so long. Now, what do we do if we're cold? We do things on an external level, right? We put on a big coat, we get in some covers. If you don't do that, your thermostat kicks into gear and starts to warm you up from within. But that thermostat hasn't been working in a long time. And until you start to incorporate things like this, then your thermostat not only turns on, becomes active, becomes very strong to where you are burning more fat. You are becoming heated within. You are generating a lot of energy. That's one of the many things that your mitochondria listen to. Like I was saying earlier, the mitochondria doesn't listen to you. They listen to light, EMFs, timing, temperature, gravity, pressure, you know, uh, sound, food, water, the cold. They listen to that. And I'll tell you how they listen, right? On a simplistic standpoint, you know, sometimes when people get in the freezing cold, whether it's in their shower, actually like a cold tub or an ice bath or cryotherapy, they're like, oh my God, I'm going to die, right? Like, ooh, it's not you that are thinking, and it's not like you're really going to die, right? But it's not you that's going to be dying. It's your mitochondria that are going to be dying. That's why they don't want you to enter into the cold because the weak mitochondria die. And actually, that's a good thing. You want the, the weak mitochondria to die and the stronger mitochondria to get even stronger and to build even newer cells and newer mitochondria. And so when you're in that cold, that's actually what's happening. You know, the mitochondria are able to sense the environment and they can sense like, oh my God, don't go there, don't go there, which is why when you turn on the cold, you're like about to jump in, you don't want to do it. It's actually your mitochondria sensing that and telling you not to, because when you go there, your weak ones are going to die. So it's interesting to see it in that perspective. And I think that's what Dave is really trying to put out there to really show how the mitochondria are driving you. And the more that you can help or be in an environment where your mitochondria are thriving and can thrive, then it's going to look a lot better for you. Yeah. People want to avoid pain, whether it's a business deal, whether it's a family relationship, whether it's cold showers. I mean, you want to avoid pain. And as human beings, especially here in America, living, you know, whatever lush, plush life that, you know, many of us have compared to many people around the world that do have to sleep outside and don't have clothing and don't have these things. I mean, it's not helping us. And I think people are starting to tap into that now. And so when I started to read about this, you know, the brown adipose tissue, the bat, you know, brown fat, and how we used to have so much more of that, and people in other countries still do, but here in America, it's just very small teaspoons worth of it. Yet we're born that way as kids. We can't shiver, so we've got all the white fat around us. But then as our muscles grow, we start growing a lot more of the brown fat. And then somewhere between there and adulthood, we just lose it all. We're just letting ourselves become lesser versions of what we could be and what we were created to be. And so Absolutely. it's just been pretty fascinating to me and just the whole mitochondria thing. So I've started sleeping on, since you're a bulletproof coach, you may know about this or have one, I've started sleeping on the sleep induction mat, which basically oh, feels yeah. like a bed of nails, right? But it's just amazing how you, you lay down on the sleep induction mat and your body is almost like screaming on the inside at first, like, oh my gosh, what are you doing to me? And then all of a sudden it just, it's kind of a, a heat and then it just starts going away and all these endorphins get released. And it's amazing to me how, I mean, I'll fall asleep on that thing many times and have to like pull myself up off of it. I've stayed on it too long or whatever. 
Well, it's amazing how that induces sleep. So anything that's going to make us more resilient, anything that we can do to make our endorphins and our chemicals in our brain, the serotonin, the melatonin, anything at night that we're going to have released, that's all part of the biohacking. But we've got to tap into this. We've got to do a better job of not just feeling like crap all the time and go, okay, if I'm feeling that way, I'm probably further into this than what I realize. How can I start today? But the problem is, and your girlfriend could tell you this, you know, almost better than anybody until you hit your rock bottom. Many times you don't feel like there's a need to go do all these extra things. Why go take a cold shower when you feel like you're totally fine every day? But the truth is we're not. We're not. We're not living up to peak performance levels. We're not living anywhere near our maximum potential. And I just think more and more people, I just don't even know what this is going to look like 10, 20 years from now as people tap into it more to where I just think a lot more people are going to be, you know, saying, man, I wish I'd learned about this years ago. You know, cold training also increases BDNF, and that's been a very key topic right now, and it's going to continue yeah. to come to surface. And I think people should really start to look out for BDNF and, and ways to improve that. And so, what that is, it's brain derived nootrophic factor. And to put it simply, it's miracle grow for the brain in terms of new neural connections, new cells, new communication pathways, just really a neurogenesis. And, you know, like you said, it's like change, like Dr. Amen, he's a good psychiatrist and, and, yeah. and, and brain guy. It's like change your brain, change your life. That's and, a great book. Yeah, it's a great book. And so, yeah, it definitely increases BDNF, speaking of Headstrong, how we've been talking about. But, you know, another thing that's really near and dear to my heart is that term resilience that you talked about and how this, you know, becoming resilient. I'm also a heart math coach, and I love their definition of resilience, where it's the ability to prepare for, recover from, and adapt in the face of stress, challenges, and adversity. I mean, we're all humans. We all have inevitable life events that have happened to us, both good and bad, challenges, stress, adversity, et cetera. The more you can be resilient, the more that you can navigate through this life. And it's, in, it's, in, it's near to dear to my heart because we don't have to go down this pathway. But, you know, just on this topic, one of my visions is to help end our internal suffering by instilling resilience into humanity. And what I like to think about is this quote that I, I'm probably going to butcher it up, but it's basically how life is like the ocean. There's always going to be waves. The good news is, is that you can learn how to surf and you're going to be able to ride the waves, even though there's some bad things happening or whatever's happening in your life, you got that surfboard and resilience is a real key topic. Like, like to me, resilience is that surfboard. And, you know, first and foremost, and also too, is that a lot of people don't know that they're drowning right now because a lot of stuff's happening at a subconscious level, but needless to say, you know, it speaks near and dear to myself because I didn't, whenever I hit, you know, my low two years ago, you know, I'd already been mistreating people around me. You know, moodiness, mm-hmm. negativity, yeah. not taking care of myself sleep wise. I mean, I didn't even know it. I just thought, hey, if I just if I feel this way, I just need to work harder and muscle through it because I need to get yeah. over it. And yeah. it's like, no, dude, sometimes that the stresses we put on ourselves are good mm-hmm. because it helps us to shape and sharpen and all the things that we're doing. But when it gets to a point where you're affecting those around you in an unhealthy way, yeah. man, you're like I said, you're probably a lot further into it than you realize at that point. Very true, man. man. And, and, you know, you know, it's I um have been talking a whole lot more with a good friend of mine now, Jeremy Thiel. He's the owner of uh, CrossFit Central downtown Austin, Texas. And he's got a similar story and he's starting to really vocalize it a whole lot more now in terms of being the way that you described yourself being up to the point where everything started crashing, right? Relationships, business. He hit kind of rock bottom in, in numerous ways, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and, you know, had this kind of wake up call. And it's like, you know, why wait for that? Like we keep saying, right? Where And now, you know, he's coming from his heart. He's coming from his lower belly. He's grounded. He's doing some amazing things in the world, not only for himself, his relationships, his business, because at the end of the day, we want those to be improved, right? 
Yeah. These are some ways to do that. I'll answer that for you because I don't think you were asking, like, I don't think you were really asking me to answer <laughs> yeah. it, but it's like a rhetorical question, like, why wait that long? I'll tell you yeah. why. It's because these things seem so out of the box. They seem so abnormal to the culture we live in today and maybe even painful. You know, just think about taking your shower, your nice, warm shower each morning that people get into to start their day off. And the last 60 seconds of it, turn it on as cold as you possibly can and hit every piece of skin on your body. Like, don't let any part not be hit with cold. Yeah, That's painful, man. Like, people don't want to do that. Once you start doing it, though, and you realize how helpful it is, it's like you don't want to be without it. You know, at that point, you want to keep testing. You want to keep digging. And there's just, you know, that's why. That's why people aren't doing it for the listeners out there. It's just it's a little abnormal. It's a little painful. Not as much as you think. Mm -hmm. But if people would just experiment and test just even a little bit. Yeah. Man, I think I think people's worlds will be turned upside down. And not down. only that, just the title of this podcast, right? Success when I want it. It's to be successful. I like to think about it about that quote, right? Like success lies just outside your comfort zone. You know, I also think about the Pareto principle, doing like that twenty percent that yields you the eighty percent results. This is a very small thing that you can do that can produce that eighty percent, get you uncomfortable Absolutely. and help you become successful. Now you're like, Oh, well, how does that translate? Well, if you can do something uncomfortable for five minutes in the beginning, then it's going to change the way that you go on throughout that day when you walk outside and go to the office. You can do something uncomfortable right away and gain that confidence and feel good right after doing that. And that's going to translate into your day. Then you're going to be able to do a whole lot more uncomfortable things. And it's funny, I'm actually going to be putting on, I'm in the process of building a 30-day program about this, actually. It's called Get Uncomfortable. And it's 30 days in which I go around town doing very uncomfortable things and showing how in doing that, uh, how that's translated into my life. And you start to do things that may be uncomfortable and you're learning along the way, one. And two, it's just learning and growing, giving, growing. And it's like the more uncomfortable things I do, Tim Ferriss actually puts it best. He defines success as, and I'm going to butcher the quote too, it's something about, you know, a successful person is defined as how many uncomfortable conversations that person has had in his, in his life. Yeah. And so it's almost of like me doing that over and over and over again. And, ne- and the next thing you know, not only have I learned so much about myself, but I'm a lot more calm. I'm a lot more present. I'm a lot more whatever. And this can translate to anybody with if they're with their boss or an uncomfortable client or this or that or their or confrontation happening. Like, yeah, they've done that. They've been there. You know, get uncomfortable. Start with the cold shower. Yeah. And just talking about being present, I've been studying people who listen to my podcast and know me know that I've been studying a lot on Mark Devine, um, part of his Unbeatable Mind Academy. For those who don't know Mark Devine, go check it out. He's uh, owner of SealFit. But a lot of what he talks about is, and you alluded to it right at the beginning, is training our brains to where basically they're in control of our our body more. And he Mm. talks about that a lot. It's like we've got to train our brain long before we even decide to enter the arena instead of trying to enter the arena and not even be mindful of our brain and just try to work and, you know, do all this. So he describes it as your inner witness. You know, you're talking about the here and now conversations Mm. with your family, conversations with your boss. It's like, how can we train ourselves to take a step back and notice that inner witness of what am I arguing with somebody about right now? Does it even make sense? Like stop yourself and notice that inner witness. That's going to train your brain to connect new neural pathways in there. But you're not going to do any of that without training your brain. So you got to have your brain trained on that. Why don't you share, many of my listeners know my routines and things like that out there, and I'll go into a little bit of that here at the end, but why don't you share just in a quick snippet here what your either morning or evening or somewhere during the day, your routines are of what's just making you better, more resilient, helping your brain, helping your body. You know, I do a lot, both in the mornings and at night and a lot of efficient breaks during the day. So to pick one, we'll talk about morning routines. So I wake up, first thing I do is I'm a very spiritual person, so I say a prayer of 
thank God for being alive and, and really thanking him for the day and just intentional with energy, great prayer. Turn on my Himalayan sea salt lamp with my five-minute journal to talk about gratitude. Here's the thing. If you're in a state of gratitude, you can't, I mean, you can't be at the same time mad, angry, sad. It's impossible. And so getting yeah. into a state of gratitude. Yeah, the brain doesn't work that right, way. Right, right, right. And here's the thing. Everything is a muscle. You know, you have to train that over and over and over. Good things take time. In terms of, you know, it, everything's different during different days. But of course, because I have the neurooptimal neural feedback, I definitely do that. I definitely jump in the cold, uh, cold water every day in the mornings. After I work out, I have a cold tub at my buddy's place where I do that. But um, after I've done that, some- Are you doing that with ice? Or are you just getting in? Yeah, so I do cryotherapy. But every time with the cold tub that I'm referring to, his house, he actually bought um, LeBron James' actual cold tub. I mean, it's pretty expensive, but that's what I do gratefully that he has one. And it's anywhere from 50 to 60 degrees into where, you know, I'll jump in there anywhere from five to 15 minutes when I do the cold tub. But I do various things, but without just going into too much detail, you know, when it comes to food, I'm either doing some intermittent fasting and or doing just bulletproof coffee. Uh, sometimes I'll do exogenous ketones. In terms of supplements, there's a variety that I do. To speak on a couple that maybe someone haven't heard about, I really, since we're talking about cells and mitochondria, I'll mention adaptogens. For those of you who do not know adaptogens, I don't have it with me. There's a lot out there. Um, I like a company called, and I'm not tied to this in any way, but it's called Sunhorse Energy. So I'm at the biohacking conference a few years ago. Uh, it's a synergistic blend of cellular adaptogens. They work at the cellular level. And the reason why adaptogens are great is like, look, we live a stressful life, whether it's at you know, with relationships, with business, with what we're trying to do. There's a lot going on in our lives. And this is one way in terms of reducing that. Adaptogens increase your stress capacity. They give you more raw materials. They expand your capacity for stress and give you a really fast throttle response so that if you're really stressed and you get out of like your norm, you come right back down and then you're good again. Rather than like something upsetting you and being there for a long period of time, no, you shoot up, you shoot right back down or vice versa. Shoot down, you shoot right back up. And so this is really something that can, you know, help you along your journey. Man, I was I was really hoping you were going to mention Sun Horse Energy. Oh, nice. You do you do that? Or? Yeah. So if you go to episode 124, I actually had a great conversation with Dan Moriarty, who's the founder of Sun Horse Energy. Great. So this is one of my favorite episodes because I can geek out on this stuff, you know, all day mm -hmm. long. Go to episode number 124, the Success 101 podcast, and you're going to hear about just all the ways, I mean, this guy, he's in his, you know, almost 70 years old now, at least mid sixties. And he's like, man, I've got more energy than when I was in high school. I'm more fit than I was in high school. And he's just super into how all the stuff we're talking about, just how the body can be resilient, but you've got to, you got to work with the right things and you got to put the right things in it. And look, it's not easy. Sometimes you've got to go test and test and test. And for sure, we'll be doing that, you know, the rest of our yeah, life. But yeah. Dan Moriarty, it's on SoundCloud or on iTunes. I'd encourage you guys to go check it out. I think you'll get a lot from it. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to go check that out myself. Uh, I saw him at the Biocamera Conference, had a brief conversation with him, but I'd love to see what you guys explored. If I may, just with time, I'll say one more thing that I'd like to share. And it's, you know, after I've done these things, and usually they're things that are at a mind, body, and spirit level, right? Something on the physical, like I'll do a quick, like 10 minute, you know, high intensity interval training at my house, like something physical, something mental, something emotional, something spiritual then I'm good. I'm getting that 1% better every day. And the last thing, once I'm in this state of consciousness, once I've done that, I'm better able to plan my day. I want to know the big projects that I'm up to. And given that we've talked about resilience, one of them is a resilience intensive. I'd love to explore that down the line, maybe in another episode and what that entails in terms of what that resilience intensive is. But so, you know, know the big projects that you want in life. And then also during that day, what are the top three things you need to do? and then tackle the most important one first. A lot of times we try to get the low hanging fruit and you can do it either way, 
But if you tackle that one, you know, normally we procrastinate like, oh, I don't want to get that done. You start working at it like, you know, what's the number one? What's the what's the top person I need to call right now? What's the person that I need to email right now? What's the place I need to go to? Right. Just getting that thing done. And once you're in a state of consciousness of doing all these things, you're better able to say, okay, on a grander scale, here's the big projects. And then what do I need to do now? Not only for the day, but what's going to be inching myself to get to that bigger project? Man, we do a lot of the same things. And I see it in my clients, like my average client in my financial planning practice here is about 48 years old. So I'm seeing the guys that are well older than us. And I'm seeing the guys that are just a few years ahead of us. And I'm learning a lot from them. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you, you know, number one, I think we're going to just if we follow suit, just as general population with a lot of these people that I'm seeing, we're going to regret more the things that we didn't do or didn't get done than the things that we accomplished just because we weren't courageous enough or we weren't tapping into this stuff enough, like with, you know, relationships and things like that or brain work, all these sort of things. But then also I just see these guys just totally unwinding in their 50s. And it's not just like midlife crisis or something like that. They just realize, man, I've just been beat up for so long. I've been stressed for so long. I realize I've damaged relationships for so long. Why was I not taking care of this earlier? And it's because you just didn't know what you didn't know. Emilio, man, thanks so much for your time here today. Really appreciate it. Let's steer uh, some traffic your way toward uh, your coaching company and your brand and all of that. Where can people find more about you if they want to go look you up? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. So I think number one would be my website. So it's uh, www.crossphoenixcoaching.com, crossphoenixcoaching.com. There you'll find kind of what I do, who I am, all the different services that I have in terms of, you know, the coaching, the technologies, the programs, the calls the workshops, speaking engagements, etc. So if you'd like to know more or ever, ha- or ever have a question or comment, you can find me there. My services nowadays is I no longer sell the concept of my coaching. I sell the experience. So anytime anybody is interested in this kind of work, I will happily block off two hours to where we can go deep and I'll create a space where we go deep and really explore what you really want for your life. And so happy to do that. You can find me there. In terms of social media, I'm really big on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And so for Facebook, it's Emilio, E-M-I-L-I-O dot Palafox, P-A-L-A-F as in Frank, O-X. Instagram, it's the first same thing, but it's going to be an underscore instead of a period. So it's Emilio underscore Palafox underscore. You can find me, of course, I have a Facebook page, but really the main source is that website. Uh, and you can contact me there and see everything about me there. Good. And I want to get you back in here next week to get a chance to talk again. And we're going to be bringing some good stuff out to you listeners about, you know, we wanted to do a big, broad overreach today, but we want to hone that in as the weeks go on and talk about some of the similar things we've talked about here, but new stuff as well, as we just get more information out to you guys and uh, just help everybody reach higher levels of peak performance. As you mentioned, the whole success 101 thing. I'm glad you keyed into that because that's what it's all about. We can't just wake up and just nobody's an overnight success. People get there at different ways, but what does success really mean? We've got to get back to the grassroots of how does all this work and we can have what looks like success for a while as we're again muscling it through but whatever we're building is not going to be long lasting if we can't sustain it and a lot of it starts in our brain and in our body and that way we can be better employers better friends better husbands fathers everything that you guys are doing out there 101 man mm-hmm. get back to the grassroots so Emilio thanks so much for your time I enjoyed it we'll be back next week guys on the success 101 podcast live episode and uh, dive into a lot more of this with you guys 